0: Well, good morning again. Good morning, everyone. Well, oh, everyone. Oh, everyone's really pumped up today. Uh, my, you might notice my my voice is a little more sultry than usual. Uh, I have a little more a little more soul to me. Uh, Carter gave me a cold, so. Uh, He's been in kindergarten for two weeks, so thanks a lot for that. That's like a petri dish of everything, Um, so I'm a little little under the weather. Um, We're going to be closing up our series we've been doing over the summer today, but next week I'm super excited. We're going to be starting a series called uh, Diversity, where we're going to think about the importance of diversity, why that matters to God, and we're going to talk about that for a couple months, and I'm just so thankful for the diversity that our church already has, and you look around, I think it's awesome to see all the different backgrounds that are represented, and I'm super excited about how we can continue to think about how to do That better and do that more and celebrate uh, that. So, if you have any ideas for me about uh, what what we might be able to do, one thing we're going to do, we're going to have a a cultural potluck where you can bring uh, some of the the food that represents your culture. Being a white guy from LA, I think I can still do tacos, uh, but um, just I'll I'll do I'll do something um, that represents my culture, and I hope that you'll think about how how you might want to represent yours because diversity deeply matters to God in all kinds of ways. I'm thankful for the way that we have diversity in age, uh, diversity in background, um, the different languages that are represented here. I'm so thankful uh, for that, and I'm hoping that as a church we can continue to understand why that is important and why uh, that, that deeply matters. I've heard uh, it said that wedding DJs are struggling uh, with how to get everybody on the dance floor at the same time because for the first time in human history, largely there's like five generations of people living together And what do you put to get everybody on the dance floor? I mean, Usher or JT is going to work for my generation. But then, like, how do you get everybody? How do you get everybody out onto the dance floor? And it's a question that as a church, I think everyone's asking as well. Because we're trying to figure out what does it look like for us to have generations uh, together, loving each other, living in some sort of harmony, despite the fact that there are differences, there are different ways that we view the world and ways that we see things, Uh, but we're going to think about why that's really important to God, and I'm excited to think about that together with you over uh, the next couple months. We're going to be closing up our series called Fulfilled, uh, where I hope that you've thought about how God doesn't call us to live a life that is fulfilling, like one day when we're reunited with him, but just in the present now. And we've tried to say that I personally believe that following Jesus will make you better at life. That if you live the things that Jesus calls you to live right now, that you're ultimately, I think, going to live a more satisfying and fulfilling life. Life. One question that I've been referring to over and over again is a conversation that Jesus has with a a blind man. He comes to him and says, what is it that you want for me to do uh, for you? And the guy says, well, I'd like to be cured of blindness. And Jesus ends up doing that. But I think it's important for us to think about just the beginning of that question. What is it that you want out of life? If God was to come to you and to say, you know, what is it that you want? What would your answer be? Because I think the biggest mistakes that I've made in my life are when I haven't answered that very well, or when I've taken a shortcut to get what ultimately perhaps I would want. And what is it that you really want? Are you truly living for that? This morning, I want to think about that from, from an angle that I think is, is very simple, but really important for us, no matter where it is you are on your faith journey, no matter where it is you find yourself in a relationship with Jesus, it's so important for us to consider this simple question that we're going to ask this morning. You're probably familiar, if you've been around here uh, very long, that I grew up at this church. Uh, I was uh, born and, and, and raised uh, here, and it was a great blessing in my life. One of the reasons I'm in ministries is because this, this church uh, loved me well, and I really appreciate uh, so much about my upbringing. But I also look back at some of those things, and like, I don't know if I, I'm not, not exactly living out the same things, because we used to come on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, right? Some of you are nodding your heads. You did that at some point. Yeah, a little collapse. You used to come on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and the thing about like at least our church if you didn't grow up in this church or you didn't grow up in that kind of setting in our church on Sunday morning you had the the preacher do a total church service and then you would come back on Sunday night for another church service and it was not like the same topic as as previous it was generally in, in my estimation from like as a participant in it, um, basically like the the C version of um, the material of the preacher. Like It's like, this isn't the A, like A plus, the Sunday morning stuff. I'm going to just do a little how like, It's not quite as good as I usually am. Uh, so I'm going to give you the C, and then we would have the song leader who was never allowed to sing on Sunday morning. Um, and it's like, you think you have the gift of singing? Like, here, why don't you do it uh, this, this this evening? Um, I that's kind of how, how we used to do it. And it was a little bit of a challenge at times. And the worst, worst of all was that we would do it on uh, Sunday evening, even when it was Super Bowl Sunday. And so everybody in the world is watching the Super Bowl, and you'd miss the, the first half of the Super Bowl because you're, you're at church, and perhaps you, you had that experience. And I remember thinking distinctly, like, uh, I don't know that I can do this for my whole life. Like, I might go to hell for this, but at least they'll have the Super Bowl on. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, this is very Uh, weird, and it was kind of easy for me, and again, it was a little bit judgmental as as a kid, but I I was just thinking, like, it just seems like we're just all doing this stuff, and like, what's the point of it? Like, what, what are what are we doing? It seems like we're just doing a worse version of the Sunday morning service on, on Sunday night. Like, why why are we doing this? And as a church, we've tried to ask questions about how we can use that time better. So we do the, the fellowship activities on Sunday nights and serve at Essentia and have our, our community groups, which hopefully do some different things. And we are not perfect as a church. I'm not saying we've arrived at any point yet. And again, I appreciate a lot about the people who were part of that. But ultimately, like, it just seemed like we were all just kind of doing it without asking a deeper question, what what am I trying to accomplish here? Is, Is God really moving in our midst? Are we actually like making a difference in our community? It's very easy when you are a religious person to just kind of follow the forms and worship the forms instead of the God behind the forms. Or put another way, I think sometimes, as, as a, at least as a Church of Christ kid, it was way easier for me to be able to tell you what our church was against as opposed to what it was for. And I think collectively, if you grew up in any denomination, there's probably certain things that you would say about that as well. When in reality, we were trying our best, I think, to, to follow Jesus, but we weren't always just really asking the question that I think Jesus invites us to ask. If you were to read the Bible and you had, like, no knowledge of it, and perhaps you were in this space and you don't really know that much about the Bible, that's awesome. I'm so so glad that you're here and and you're participating. If you were to to read the Gospels with, like, no understanding of um, exactly what it all means and and what's going on and you were just to see these things with fresh eyes, one of the things I think would really surprise you and surprise me as well is just how relational Jesus is and how he just Goes up to people and says, "Follow me." And it's really unbelievable who he does it with. He extends this invitation to very religious people. He extends this invitation to very non-religious people. He extends this invitation to rich people. He extends this invitation to poor people. He just goes up to people and says, "Follow me." And you have examples of like the the fishermen who who drop their nets to follow him. But one of the profound examples of this is in Matthew chapter 9 when Jesus goes up to a tax collector named Matthew. Matthew is writing about himself, writing about his own experience, and Jesus simply says, follow me. Now, if you have any sort of understanding about the Bible and how somewhat offensive this would be and unbelievable, um, this would be Uh, You know that tax collectors were bad. If you know anything about the Bible, it's like tax collectors bad. They're like the worst of the worst. They're horrible people because Rome would go in and they would take over a place and they would basically say, you all can practice whatever religion you want to. We don't really care. As long as you don't do anything crazy and like make it too nuts and don't get too like ecstatic about your faith. As long as you don't do that and you pay us taxes, then you all can just do whatever you want to do. And so they would go to places and they would sometimes leave people in charge, but they would have people from within these communities who would then take taxes. So Matthew is an example of that. And there were tax collectors from this place. And so for Matthew to be this tax collector, he is an unbelievable trader. And he has turned his back on the Jewish people, and he now is taking taxes for Rome. And what you would do as a tax collector is you would have to get a certain percentage, and then anything else that you could get on top of that, you could live off of. And so tax collectors actually were some of the most wealthy people. And they were the most hated people. If you don't like tax collectors now, it was way worse back then. Imagine that a tax collector was like part of your crew and then switched teams. I and mean, that was exactly what happened. And so for Jesus to come up to this tax collector who's sitting at this booth, he has a wide range of very acceptable things that he could say to him. And actually, he's going to challenge Matthew's life here in just a little bit. But at the beginning of this conversation... He could say something like, Matthew, is this really what you want to be doing with your life? Is it worth the extra bit of money that you're getting for your neighbors not to like you anymore? And he could start with that, and that would probably be a pretty good move, right? I mean, we're all kind of like, whoa, that'd be really hard. Or he could go like kind of the, the slam route and say like, I bet your mother's really proud. I mean... Jesus isn't usually that mean, but he could like kind of go go like something. So he has like a wide range of like acceptable things that we all like as as people who like you know if you were in that time and that place you would have expected Jesus to say something cuz man, you partnered with Rome, man, that's horrible. But what does Jesus say to a tax collector, the worst of the worst? He says, "Follow me." And again, this is so unbelievable, this is so crazy, like what is it that perhaps comes to mind? And I know nobody wants to admit that they have any prejudice, you know, we live in this time and you're like, well, I have a friend who's like some culture, so I, I'm not prejudiced, but it's like we all have our prejudices, we have those groups of people who like when we are walking down one side of the road, we're probably going to walk to the other side of the road if we see a certain group of people coming. Who is it perhaps that you would say, ah, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to participate I don't want to hang out with that kind of person. That's a little bit dangerous. What is it that that a group of people, perhaps, that you would say, I don't really want to participate with those people. And if you are going to have a conversation with someone like that, we would want Jesus to say, all right, you can follow me, Matthew, if, like whatever that is, whatever that if is in the blank, you know, you can follow me, Matthew, if you'll walk away from this. Or if you will claim right now that I'm the Son of God. And what is it that you would expect Jesus to say? You can follow me if. What does Jesus say? Just follow me. Follow me. And then Matthew goes with him, and it gets crazy weird. Because the story continues, Matthew 9, 10, and 11. When Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. I want to stop right there, go back to that one. Um, It's always hilarious to me that the tax collectors are even separated from the sinners. Like, it's like, the sinners are like, hey, 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 give me some space from those guys. Those guys are the worst of the worst. It's like, we can't even call, we don't want to be lumped together with them. Uh, and that's how it's, like, always referred to, that Jesus has these gatherings of people, and it's like, tax collectors and sinners. It's like, this is ta- sinners are like, no thanks, I'm not participating um, with that. And so they, they, they go, and, like, the disciples go with Jesus, and it's, like, This gathering, it's not just Matthew anymore, it's many of them. Matthew brought his friends and said, hey, come interact with this guy. And and Jesus goes to his house. So when the Pharisees see this, they say, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he participate with these people? And this is what Jesus is constantly getting in trouble for. Because who you ate with during that time, it was a way of, of saying, you know, like, I, I accept you on a certain level because I'm going to sit across the table from you and we're going to have conversation. So it's shocking, and this is what Jesus constantly gets in trouble for. is hanging out with people who religious people say, you shouldn't hang out with those people. You shouldn't spend time with those people. Why are you going over to that person's house? All you're going to do is get into trouble. And again, it's not just one. It's many tax collectors and sinners. I don't know. I guess when you just throw a party, the sinners show up too when you're a tax collector. I don't really know. But again, this is an unbelievable moment. And the religious people during that time, and I always try to say this when we talk about a story like this, if you are somebody who believes in God and considers yourself to be somewhat religious, you have to be really careful and the hair should stand up on your neck a little bit because the religious people are always on the other side of where Jesus is consistently in the Gospels. And so they're standing like aghast that he would have these kind of conversations, that he would sit with these kinds of people. One thing that I love about Jesus is, I heard a a sermon several years ago about how he's just always in awkward situations, which is a breath of fresh air for me because I feel like that's my whole life is awkward situations. Like just really just weird and like, and so just imagine Jesus who is this Jewish rabbi, like sitting among these people who would have been labeled as outcasts and those who are far from God and those people who, who have done all this stuff that's wrong. And Jesus is just sitting there comfortable. And one thing that I think we need to sometimes realize that should just kind of get to the the heart of, of who we are is that Jesus would sit with you. Like wherever it is that you happen to be in your life, Jesus would sit across the table from you. Not that he would condone of everything that you're participating in, but Jesus is not put off by your sin. He would sit cross the table from you and have dinner because if you at times feel far from god if you feel like you've you've messed some things up if you feel like you're broken jesus is like yeah that's who i'm hanging out with those are the people that i want to spend time with people who were very much unlike jesus liked jesus I always want to be a church and a place where people who are at any point in their spiritual journey can find God. Because that's what Jesus did. And so he overhears this and understands that the Pharisees are having this conversation. And so uh, he, he kind of shouts out, he says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And this is where the news gets a little bit awkward for the tax collectors and sinners, right? That's a little harsh to be like, hey, I don't, yeah, I don't need to talk to you, religious people because, like, the people around me, they're broken. Matthew's like, hey, that hurts. And Jesus is able to say hard things, and it's because he's willing to say, you know, follow me, and and I'm going to go with you to your house. And so he says, like, yeah, you're, You're broken, Matthew, and your tax collector buddies. Yeah, you've all got stuff that you've got to work on. I mean, come on, Matthew. You know that you set certain rules for your life and you don't actually follow them. You know that there's stuff that you would not want anybody to know about you. And I know it, but I'm still here with you. And so, yeah, religious people who are out there just don't worry about me and my friends because I'm not just like hanging out with them and just being their buddy all the time. I'm going to say some hard things to them. I'm going to say, yeah, there's there's some brokenness in your life. Yeah, you need to continue uh, to follow me, to turn away uh, from this stuff. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be with you. It doesn't mean that even while you don't have it all together, that I'm not going to sit. With you a question that I constantly try to, to think about as, as, a, as a minister is would would Jesus attend our church? Is it a place that's just for religious people or is it a place again where people who are all at different points of their journey can find God would Jesus want to be with us in the ways that we run things because we want to be a place that is open to outsiders. A place where people far from God can find God. The Pharisees and the religious leaders at that time, they had a very simple message, I think. It was, change and you can join us. And Jesus flips that and says, join me and you'll change. Like, sit with me for a while, Matthew. Watch the way that I'm calling you to live. Yeah, it's not just all going to be sunshine and rainbows. There's going to be some things that I'm going to challenge you on. There's going to be some hard things. Yeah, Matthew, you're sick. But a foundational perspective for all of us as we think about the the kingdom of God is that we need to understand that we are broken. And we need to continue to follow Jesus. Jesus our lives. A simple question that I would ask all of us, no matter where we happen to be on our spiritual journey, is are you following God? Are you following the voice of Jesus? And this is something that you need to continue to ask yourself, whether you've been a Christian for like a very limited amount of time, or you've been a Christian for 50 years. What we have to ask ourselves is, am I following God? I heard a story uh, several years ago, about this this woman, um, is at a conference that I was attending, and she shared a story about how she was speaking, she's a very famous speaker, and she was speaking in this, this room with lots of people, and um, it was international, and so she was um, confused about how there was this one person in the, near the front row who just seemed angry the entire time that she was talking. And trust me, if you seem angry, like, I see it, just FYI, but uh, I'm like, but and it's all right. I, I've gotten used to it. Um, but she, she said um, that she, she was like talking and, and she, it was, again, this international thing. It was in, it was in Germany. And so at the break, um, she walks over to the guy and he was German. And so like kind of a very literal, straightforward person. And so she walks up and she says, just, just FYI, there's translation available. So you can like hear and understand what I'm saying. And, and he replies, I speak perfect English. I just don't like what you're talking about. She was like, okay, and she went back and like, got up to like, <laughs> present the rest. And as she goes to sit down, one of her mentors who was actually sharing at this event with her said, you're still chasing the one, aren't you? And that really struck me because that, that can totally, totally be me as I think about like my life and my ministry the way that I am with people is I can so easily become concerned with, with people-pleasing and doing all these things, you know, bending over backwards. And a little bit of that I'd say is somewhat healthy, but like just constantly trying to think of that. Instead, I think of asking the question, am I following Jesus with my life? Did I Love that person well. That I do what I could in that situation, and maybe like I'm not going to be close to that person anymore, and and that's okay. But I can I, in good conscience, say that I did what Jesus would ask me to do in that situation, instead of a woman just trying to keep everybody happy. Jesus, I think, looks all of us in the eye, no matter where we happen to be. He says. Follow me. It's pretty simple. It'll lead you sometimes to complicated things and some possibly awkward situations. Would you be willing to hear the call of Jesus no matter where you are in your life and just hear him say to you, follow me? Walk away from that stuff that's preoccupying you. Walk away from that stuff that you have as a priority right now. And follow me. And what it means for us at different times is, is different things. But I think four things that I would say being a follower of Jesus helps me to think about as I think about this story is, firstly, uh, being a sinner is not optional. It's a prerequisite. That being Being a broken person and recognizing our brokenness is so important. And Jesus tells the story about the guy who sees a speck of dust in someone else's eye and he's like walking over to try and get that out. Well, he's got a plank. We can so easily end up looking like that if we don't recognize him. I'm I'm a broken person. This morning I came... Um, very much face-to-face with my, my own brokenness. I was wearing a different polo and got coffee all over it. Um, and so I was like, Mandy, can you help me? And I was like, this is like a very real thing. It's like, Jesus washed me white as snow. with like a new a new, new thing. I mean, it's, sometimes yeah, that was pretty bad, I know. But um, <laughs> but it's important for us to, to recognize that like, we, we, we are broken and, and not just like shirt selection or staining things. Like we, we are broken. We fall short of who God calls us to be. Secondly, none of the earliest followers of Jesus knew who he was. They just follow him. They take that next step. And it's wild because the closest disciples to him betray him in the end. Even though he says, you're going to do this. And they're like, no, I'm not. But then they do. None of the earliest followers of him knew who he was. Third, an invitation to follow is an invitation to relationship. Oftentimes we can think of, of Christian faith as just this set of rules and that like you need to be there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm not saying that those things can't sometimes be helpful as we try to follow Jesus with our lives, but we need to recognize that all this stuff, this, this religious activity, ultimately isn't about like guilt and shame. It's an invitation to follow a risen Savior. In relationship, if you were if you're married then like if you have a like marriage counseling and stuff they 're not going to tell you like just love each other fifty percent each and then meet in the middle that 's a bad relationship it's both people fully committed, both people just basically saying all the time, "How can I help, how can I serve you? how can we participate in this?" together. And fourth, I think this story illustrates for me that following Jesus forces us to actually think about where I am on the journey. One of the reasons why it's so dangerous to see that the Pharisees and the examples um, that that they're giving to us is that they are always looking at themselves versus somebody else. Like, I keep all the holy days. I, I do an unbelievable amount of religious activity, and in fact, those people did. But they don't think about the ways that they still have to go. The brokenness that exists in their own heart. What if you were just willing to ask yourself the question, Jesus, what does it look like for me to follow you? At lunch today? Tomorrow? Sometimes I think we make this complex so we don't have to do anything. But I think oftentimes we know that the way of Jesus is is forgiveness, love, and generosity. So what does it look like for you among your closest friends in a relationship that you have that's difficult? What does it look like for you to show grace to that person or in that situation? What does it look like for you with, with your time and your resources to be generous? What would Jesus call you? do. I think for any of us, whether, again, you've been a Christian for a very short amount of time or for a very long amount of time, Jesus continues to call you forward. I've heard it described like um, levels on uh, an old Nintendo Mario game or something like that. At the beginning of it, it's pretty easy and you can navigate it pretty simply, but it slowly gets weirder and you get to like the ocean levels. And you have to remember what you've learned in the levels before to get through those crazy swimming levels. And then finally, you end up at the castle, which is super dangerous, and there's fire everywhere. And because of all the training that you've done, you finally are able to reunite with that princess or whatever happens at, at the end end of those games. And I think that's really what it's like for us in our lives, that we are, are maturing, hopefully. We're, we're moving and we're growing, that if we listen to the voice of Jesus calling us forward, being willing to say, you know, am I truly following with my life? What does it look like for us to say, all right, I, I don't do these religious activities because I feel like I have to or because I'm guilty, but because I truly am trying to become more like Jesus. And I'm not going to let other things distract me. There's this really interesting story uh, in, in Luke, in chapter 13, uh, when the Pharisees actually warn Jesus about something, which is really strange because they are often not on team Jesus, but here's a time that they're actually helping him. Um, They say to him in Luke chapter 13, verses 31 and 32, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus responds very interestingly, go tell that fox This is like, wait, this is in the Bible? It is. Uh, Luke Luke chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. Uh, Trust me, it's there. You can look it up later. But he says, go tell that fox, I'll keep driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. On the third day, I'll reach my goal. And this is odd language that that Jesus uses, but it would have been something that the people in that day would have understood. When we say fox, we generally think of like a handsome or good-looking person, like that person's a fox, or like a sly person, like that person's really cunning. But what was used in that time is they would use the word lion to describe someone who actually deserved like reverence and like deserved honor because of the way that person like conducted their life and the fact that they had a certain position. But a fox was used to describe someone who was basically, we say like a poser, somebody who was up in that position of power, but in reality didn't really have all that much power and actually is like filled with anxiety, which is a good example of what Herod uh, actually is. And so Jesus says like, go tell, he's very dismissive. Go tell that fox, like I'm going to keep doing my work because like really he's not that much of a threat to me. When in reality, Herod and the forces of that time, like, are a threat to him. And ultimately, the powers that be kill him. And not too long after he says this. But for Jesus, he recognizes that even death ultimately isn't a threat. That it's going to be hard to endure, it's going to be difficult, but it is what God has called him to And so he says, go tell that guy that, yeah, he can do whatever he wants to, but I'm going to keep doing my work over here. And, yeah, eventually, like the powers that be, they're going to kill me. But on the third day, I'm going to rise because resurrection is coming. I think about my life and probably your life as well. There are so many foxes that come at us all the time stuff that sometimes is very real, like you have to think about this, you have to focus on this, you have a, a really like terrible boss at work, or you have a really stressful situation, and these foxes just kind of keep coming at you. And what would it look like for you to rise above those things? And to say, you know what, I'm called to something deeper. And yes, this is stressful, and this is hard, but my number one identity is being a disciple of Jesus, And so that is what I'm going to focus on. Yeah, all this stuff, it's going to come at me. It's going to try to throw me off course. There's going to be threats. There's going to be difficult things that I'm going to have to deal with. But I'm not going to set away from the true goal that I have. So Jesus, where would you have me go? Who would you have me be? Jesus, I'm willing to walk away from the tax collector's booth. I'm willing to walk away to drop my nets. I'm willing to do what you would have me do. Yeah, it doesn't mean that things are going to always be easy, but there's going to be things that I look at and I go, that's a fox. Because it's demanding my attention right now, but it ultimately isn't my true identity. What would it look like for you, no matter where you are on your journey with God, to hear the simple message of Jesus? Follow me and that stress, and that anxiety, and that relationship? What would it look like for you to just hear the voice of God in your life? Follow me. Walk with me. Because you all, I am, sick and broken. But Jesus chooses to sit at the table with us. He chooses to be in our lives. He chooses to be in our hearts. He shockingly shows grace to people like us so that we might continue to follow him. Let's pray together. Father, may we recognize who you're calling us to be. Father, may we hear your simple voice. And may we respond. What ways are you calling us forward? What ways do we need to take another step with you? Father, may we know you more and more, be filled by you more and more. May we understand that just very simply you would like us, that you would choose to be with us, even knowing what really goes on. May we recognize that you continue still to call us forward with your simple voice. May we follow it, in your Son Jesus. And I pray, Amen. If we can stand. In